0: Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo. We're coming to you on Wednesday night. I apologize for a gap in podcasts, as both Josh and I have been uh, remarkably busy for, uh, you know, real life stuff. And, you know, while we could podcast and make it work in the middle of the night, frankly, it's the off season, And I think everybody can appreciate that. So, Josh, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back. And you're right. You know, hey, real life pops up kind of makes sometimes makes things difficult but but we are here now we're ready to go
0: yeah if it were the regular season we probably would have like ground out some stuff but it's just <laughs> it's not and you know our you know, the people who are listening to this are truly hardcore fans because there's just not a ton to talk about about the mavericks at the moment uh we're talking we're recording this the day before the jason kidd and nico uh, introductory press conference, so we'll probably talk again tomorrow night, uh, and then have something for for people on Friday morning. But for for now, we just wanted to jump back in this. We're going to be doing our our player review series. We've already covered six Mavericks. We're going to cover three more tonight. But uh, today, news broke, kind of that had been hinted at for a while, embargoed news. It seems that. Luka Doncic was going to be the prime cover athlete for NBA 2K 2022 and Dirk Nowitzki was going to be the legends cover um Josh you wrote kind of the quick newser on it why don't you break it down
1: yeah so if you got if you've been following if you've been following 2K for a while this it's not a surprise that they have all these different cover cover athletes because they make like so many different special editions because uh 2k sports really likes to nickel and dime and get as much money as they can for these 2k games. It's really funny. They just make so many different editions, and people pay for them. So you can't really blame them for doing it. Uh, So Luca is going to be on the cover of the standard edition uh, for both last generation consoles and the new current gen, you know, PlayStation five, Xbox series S or whatever. Uh, Last year, I believe, the the two different generations had different cover athletes. Like I think Damian Lillard was on like PS4 and Xbox One and Zion was on PS5 and Series X. So now Luca is going to be on the, st- the cover athlete for both on the standard edition. Uh, and then they're going to do a special edition, like their more expensive special edition that comes with all the extra stuff and whatever it comes with. Uh, and that's the one that's going to have Dirk on it, but he's sharing the cover with... Kareem Abdul Jabbar and Kevin Durant, and they're calling it the NBA 75, uh, 75th anniversary edition. Uh, That's so pretty that, cool. So that is very cool. You know, they could have gone with a bunch of different athletes, but you can tell that they probably were like, let's, they picked three different athletes from three different eras across uh, the NBA history. And so, for Dirk to be the one that they picked uh, is pretty cool. Although, I think they've had Kobe Bryant on their cover for like yeah. eight games. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's give Dirk, it's, it's time to give Dirk, a cover. Uh, and then the only other thing, it's not related to the Mavs, but then there's another edition that is exclusive to GameStop and that has Candace Parker on the cover, which is pretty cool as well. First woman to be on the cover of one of these games. So that's awesome. But yeah, so it's kind of funny because uh, there has never been a Maverick uh, on the cover of a basketball video game. Mm-hmm. And now in one edit- version of the game, they got two. Uh, with Turk and Luca. So well. And the, the, the artwork on these is pretty interesting.
0: The first thing I noticed on the standard edition first is that Luca is wearing the Jordan 36s that were just released. <laughs> um, like the picture, like they're not even in existence yet. I think they're just kind of a mock-up model, which is really interesting to me. I mean, that's total nerd crap that only like like the, the most ridiculous people would notice. I probably wouldn't even notice on the video game, but the picture is so big on my computer screen that I picked it up. The second thing that I noticed was on the cross-generation digital bundle, Luca is absolutely wearing an undershirt in one of the photo and one of the drawings <laughs> that they did of him, which just, like funny. Luca wore an undershirt for 10 games and he was fat luca and that was outstanding um and then the last thing is like the 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 dirk being on the 75th anniversary edition cover is great but that photo that that picture of him is awful it looks like steve steve buscemi with long hair
1: yeah they didn't go with like you can tell that they took like real photos and then an artist kind of drew them up Mm -hmm. and stylized them uh but that's okay continues the tradition of dirk looking like a total nightmare (laughs) in basketball video games because he's never Uh, looked
0: right ever Uh, ever
1: because video games in general can't do hair right, and Dirk has famously had long hair for a lot of his career. Uh, and so, if some of these big, huge, story-driven games can't do hair right, you know what are these yearly basketball games going to be able to do? And it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's never, it's never looked right, but that's okay.
0: The thing that I really like about this, and I won't play these games anymore just because I get mad at them. I get mad at at two k i it's It's one of my worst traits playing sports video games i just I just won't even allow myself to play it. but I think it's really neat in the sense that this is this is like cultural um yes. There's a whole segment of basketball fans that really don't watch basketball. They watch TikTok. They watch YouTube. They enjoy the game beyond the game, kind of the coverage of it, the the celebrity, the idea of basketball more than actual basketball. And that includes playing a lot of video games with it. So, like, this is just one of these things that for people and it's really nobody listens to this podcast, but, you know, the real hoopers of the world that have a hard time understanding, like, Luca's relevance, like, worldwide. Like, this is a big deal. This is something we'll look back on, and it wouldn't shock me if this is not the only cover he's on.
1: No, and I mean, I don't think, you know, if you're not into video games, it's really hard to to sell, like, to the impact of the 2K series. Like, it's one of the top each year, It because it comes out every year, It's a top three selling video game in the world every single year. And video games make more money seemingly every single year, year over year. Like it's basically the most profitable or most revenue driven generating entertainment industry in the entire world. So like this is really big, like a bunch of people, million, like millions and millions and millions of people. Uh, are you going to buy a game that has Luca's face on the cover now of course I think people don't buy the actual boxes and discs as much as they used they used Mm -hmm. to but when you fire up your Xbox or your PlayStation there's going to be an icon of Luca on everyone's dashboard uh, on a lot of people's dashboards and maybe even Dirk's uh, if they got the special edition that's that's cool That's really cool
0: yeah I'm 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 pretty pretty excited about it so there was a rumor an unconfirmed but very likely rumor that Luka Doncic was actually going to be on the cover of live 2021 uh the the EA franchise that just gets mothballed every year because they can't seem to they just can't seem to get over their development curve and so it's just it's interesting Luka matters and in a way that is going to is, is is still a little difficult for me to comprehend because it's just you know he he's approaching and really is kind of the the level of superstar that is reserved for top three athletes in a league he is a tom brady he is a lebron james i, I all over the world he's just he's just going to be the guy and it's really fun we get to cover him
1: yeah and i don't know if they're i mean outside of like regional editions of these games i mean when has a foreign born player been on the cover of one of these games? I can't really, I don't know. Remember might be don't something think. worth looking into. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a, it's a big deal.
0: Well, with that, we should probably pivot directly into our player review series. Like I said, we've covered six guys already. And in the past uh, two, we've kind of gone with a star, then role player, then kind of end of bench guy. Uh, you know, cause we, we did Luca Porzingis, uh, you know, uh, uh, Powell, uh, Maxi, then we did Josh Green, and then we did one more person I can't even remember at this point, which is embarrassing. But today, we really wanted to cover uh, uh kind of the heart of the rotation in uh, Tim Hardaway, Jalen Brunson, and uh, Josh um, <laughs> Richardson, which his name slipped my mind. That shows it shows you how the day is going. Uh, we'll start with with Hardaway. Um, Tim Hardaway, it seems that that you know, for those who didn't know this. The Mavericks called and inquired about Hardaway way back in January of 2019, and that it evolved into a Chris Stapp's Porzingis trade was not something that was known until much later. He was a distressed asset. Uh, the Mavericks were interested, and they thought they could fix him, uh, or at least fix how fix his role. He was doing way too much for the New York Knicks, and he couldn't live up to his contract. He was largely seen as an albatross. The past two and a half seasons with the Mavericks, he has proven his worth to the point to where he is likely to be one of the most rewarded free agents uh uh in in coming up in this next contract cycle and he was a really stellar part of the Mavericks offense kind of the the in my opinion like the spark that really turned them from good to great was when he was inserted in the starting lineup both in the 2021 season and in, in or i'm sorry 2019 2020 season and this past season uh which didn't happen till very late in the year but uh i just I, I remain really impressed with tim hardaway he is kind of a single He he can't play any defense to save his life but he what with what he he did exactly what dallas asked of him and he helped win them a lot of games
1: Yeah, I mean, he's probably the reason the team, I mean, obviously Luca, but uh, if he doesn't have the career turnaround that he has the last two seasons, I'm not even sure the Mavericks are a playoff team uh, both seasons, because when you look at where the Mavericks were after that 2019 offseason, I mean... We didn't know they had this type of Tim Hardaway Jr. in the bank. And we were looking at this roster and we're like, man, you know, Luca and KP, but who in the hell is gonna hit shots for Luca? Like there's no one. And then, you know, of course, Maxi career highs and Dorian career highs, but but more importantly, it was Tim that career high. Uh these last two seasons he's been a little been around seven and a half threes per game and he's hitting over thirty nine percent of them. Like it's not just the percentage because, you know, Dorian hit like 37 to 38 and Maxi you know, is hitting 38 to 40. The difference is is Tim is taking double the amount of shot threes per game that those two made. And that's really crucial, the amount. Like if, if you're not taking enough three-pointers, it almost doesn't matter how good your percentage is because defenses will react a certain way. So the Mavericks desperately needed like a gunner uh, and Hardaway provided it. And it's absolutely wild when you look at his career – shooting numbers. Um I mean the seasons before he got he came to Dallas the season before you know the 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 nineteen games he played in Dallas after the Christoph's trade he shot 32% from three. The season before that he shot 34%. Um the season before that he shot thirty one percent from three his career high before he came to Dallas was thirty five point seven percent like he was not a good like he was at best an average shooter. Um Uh, and, And there was no guarantee of what he would do in Dallas. And he turned around a big way and he was really the only high volume, accurate three point shooter on the entire roster, which is kind of what NBA teams need right now.
0: So I don't have the data in front of me to back this up, but I am fairly certain that what happened when Tim came to the Mavericks is they told him he was going to have a very green light, but they wanted him to take a specific kind of shot. Uh, he was sort of a 90s junk ball player at certain points in his pre-Maverick career where he was expected to do too much and just took a lot of bad shots why his percentages were wonky. With the Mavericks, he still still had the freedom to take some shots, but they would rather have have taken pull-up threes than pull-up twos. And his volume was high on threes, and he started knocking them down at kind of a crazy percentage And really my favorite part of Tim Hardaway is the fact that he shoots the same, whether he was defended or undefended. I don't remember. There was at one point in the year where he was shooting the same percentage from three, whether he was closely guarded or not guarded at all, or had someone within like three feet of him, which is just so rare uh, because defenders affect shots, but apparently not for Tim Hardaway. Um, He, you know, they, he was also, like really attacked the basket a lot more this year than I I remember him doing lots of like really kind of athletic dunks. Yeah. Uh, He
1: shot 52.4% on twos, which is the highest number he's had since 2016, 2017.
0: Wow, so I mean, he just really had in in a in a variety of roles too. So he went on JJ Reddick's podcast, and they talked a lot about mindset and what you need and and what you you know what you want to approach the game with. And he talked about how at one point he really did appreciate, like he really did want to be the starter, but he had grown to really like the cheers that he got when he would come into the game as the first guy off the bench. And that really got him going. And so what I was most impressed about with Tim was his kind of versatility in 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 role because the Mavericks though he still did like the same thing they had him doing it with different guys because it you know last year he was a a big part of the starting offense then for a big chunk of this year he and Jalen Brunson formed a really incredible backcourt duo where both of them got uh six man of the year votes which was interesting and and you know I understanding that I think Tim's time in Dallas is, is likely over just because of what he's going to command on the market. I, I just, I, I find myself kind of in awe of the Tim Hardaway experience as we leave it. He's just going to, I think he's going to be one of these guys that we talk about really fondly in years to come.
1: Yeah, it was because like I said, I can't emphasize enough, like how crucial his production was on a team that was built the way it's built. And when you have Lucas, your best player, it's like okay, we're going to get a lot of three point shots because Luca is one of the best three point shot creators in the entire league. Um, they just like you look at the Mavericks roster and there's no one, there's no one close. Like Luca obviously takes a lot of threes, doesn't make as many as Hardaway does, uh, but you know his is all on his own in terms of like spot up taking taking open threes at the volume. There's no one else on the roster. Uh, took as many and made as many as Tim. And he's he's been top 10 in the entire league and made threes. He was seventh last season. He was eighth this season. Uh, and then, you know, to be around, you know, 39, you know, 39, uh, 40%, which he's been the last two seasons. Like he's been a top top eight shooter in the league uh, the last two seasons. And when you consider where the Mavericks were after that 2019 off season, you wouldn't have even sniffed that. So mm-hmm. like, it's it's hard to, to really quantify how crucial he was to the Mavericks. He was second in minutes played this season. Uh, and when he was on the floor, the team had a, a 2.1 uh, positive net rating. Uh, when he was off the floor, um, funny enough, they were actually better with him off the floor, but the offense just took takes a, a, a decent nosedive. So, like, he was just very important in, in making things run. And mm-hmm. he had to be back in the starting lineup because the starters weren't making enough shots. Like. It, it's so funny because you know when he was brought in on the Kristaps straight, it was like, okay, when is he going to be off the team? Because the Mavericks need his cap space because he's kind of just a, a cap casualty. You know, he's, he's the the Kristaps tax. And now when you look at the Mavericks, and you're like, all right, what's the goal for this team? It's like they need like not they don't just need Tim Hardaway Jr. or similar player. They need like two or three more <laughs> Tim Hardaway Juniors. Like they just he was the only guy that could seemingly get offense uh, and score consistently, and I think what really endeared him, I think a lot of to a lot of people, including myself, this season is the games that Luca had to sit out. I feel like he had really big games, and he never really—I don't think he really said He played seventy games this season, uh, and seventy of what seventy-two. Uh, he played seventy-one last year. Like he does not miss games. He was an iron man, and. Yep. He carried them when Luca was out, and he's the only guy you can look on the roster besides Luca that you're like, okay, we're gonna need someone to get 25, 30 points because Luca's not playing. Someone who's gonna step up and do that, and it was Hardaway. Like he was, he was the only guy on the roster that you felt good about saying that. Which is really something.
0: I'm gonna, I, I, I sort of hope he, the Mavs find a way to keep him around just because his willingness to take shots is, yes. is, 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 oh, is severely underrated. So many of the Mavericks had the yips uh, Tim never did. (laughs) So, I you know, if they don't keep him, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about that down the road. I'll be sad, but for now, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I really enjoyed the hardaway experience in, uh, 2020, 2021. Um, up next is Jalen Brunson, a, you know, a third year point guard, uh, drafted in the second round really kind of found himself in quite a excellent position for the 2020, 21 season. Uh, as much as uh, I got early grief for, for demanding that the Mavericks trade him just because I don't really like watching him pass, he settled into an incredible role in the offense where he was just the, the guy off the bench who came in and got buckets. And like I mentioned earlier with Tim, he you know, had a stretch at one point in the year for a significant chunk of the season where I think he led the league and field goal percentage at the rim, like something like 71% at the rim for a while for a six one guard. Uh, and he, you know, just really kind of helped keep things going, particularly during that February, March stretch, which reset the Mavericks season after they started out nine and 14 to kind of some of the COVID stuff. Um, and, and, you know, he just he had himself a real nice year. I'm, I'm really curious to hear, you know, what you think about his year and then sort of what Dallas ought to do with him, because his contract, he's he's such an inexpensive player uh, relative to the rest of the league. Yet at the same time, I also don't know if you know with what's coming next for he's gonna demand a significant salary, like salary increase. Like he's a good basketball player.
1: Yeah. Uh I mean he had a 61.8 true shooting percentage as a 6'1, 6'2 guard. <laughs> uh that is not, you know, he's not compensating for that height with like raw athleticism either. So like he he was extremely efficient like one of the most efficient seasons I've seen from a Mavericks guard in, in some time I mean he shots 57.8 percent on two pointers forty percent from three there was there was a chance earlier in the season when you thought is he a 50 40 90 guy uh, but his free throws uh, didn't really hold didn't get close enough uh and yeah like he was he was the guy that came off the bench and he like when you look at this Mavericks team you say man there's no one on this team can get their own shot besides Luca he was the next closest thing um the thing that's really difficult is much like Tim Hardaway Jr you look at what he did in the regular season and he had an outstanding regular season but it's hard to kind of wipe the taste of the playoffs out of your mouth and in the playoffs he went from you know being. At times, I think people would argue he was the second best Maverick player this season, to averaging 16 minutes a game in the playoffs, scoring eight points, shooting 43% from the field, uh, getting virtually zero assists. Uh, he had four assists in the last four playoff games uh, against the Clippers, and just did not make a discernible impact because, at the end of the day, you know his 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 size disadvantage makes it hard when you get into the playoffs and you play these superior uh, defensive teams that have more elite length. And that kind of, that kind of shut him down a little bit. And I know we were just, you know, we, we've moved on from Hardaway, but like, you know, I don't want to let Hardaway off the hook. He shot 30% in the Mavericks final five games of the series. So like, it's hard to the bit, the most difficult decision the Mavericks have to make, not even with Hardaway, but with, with Brunson is how do you reconcile the elite regular season production with what you've seen in the last two playoffs, which is you've been bounced in the first round, uh, by the same team and both, you know, just the production is just not, not close. It's not the same. So that's, they're going to have to answer that question on how much is that player worth? If you know that you come playoff time, he's a different player.
0: I mean, the, the, the knock on him is there's sort of a, uh, there's a big misunderstanding. Of, of his role scale up his usage he does not increase the amount of points assists whatever he gets he had a, has a nice role with the mavericks and i think the the concern you know not concerns not even the right word but there's a there's a lot of talk about how he would be a point guard like a starting point guard for multiple teams in the league and that would be true if you want your team to not be very good um yeah it's it, it and that's not necessarily a knock on Brunson it's just it's sort of a misunderstanding of the Mavericks give him the keys to do a specific set of things and he does those things well if he comes up against a team with length and that can eliminate some of the things that he's good at he's not able to do other things to affect the game and and that's that's just sort of it that's not really an arguable point either. Like uh, that was the thing that I I ended up making a lot of like random Brunson fans like really upset about, but it's just, he's not a point guard. He, he makes, he can only make the obvious pass. I mean, if if, you know, we, we talked about Porzingis a lot in previous podcasts, Brunson was a guy who never looked to pass to Porzingis. I mean, never, there were just incident like contested 15 foot shots where Porzingis is open within his, you know, field of vision and he doesn't hit him and and it's you know why that was I you know maybe he just doesn't see it cuz he's he you know he was he was a power forward for a huge chunk of his life until he went to college like he was just he, he, you know he 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 argues that he was he said on JJ uh Redx podcast that he was the world's first stretch four um he it's just it's an interesting thing with him and I don't mean to to knock on him it's just I want us to be honest about what he is as opposed to what people think he could be because I sort of think this is his role as an NBA player and he could play another 10 years doing just this
1: yeah and I mean think about how many teams would love to have a guy like him coming off your bench like it's very uh bench guard is a very valuable spot in a rotation and every playoffs we see these teams that they have their five starters and they look great, but as soon as they remove one, uh, things start to fall apart. Like they just can't rest their star. They don't have anyone that can come off the bench and at least offer a facsimile of what the starter production can be. And Brunson, you know, despite these past two playoff series, you know, you just, he's an elite off the bench guard and almost every team needs it. It doesn't necessarily, like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean it translates into being a starting point guard because, you know, as we've seen, he typically performs better when his his task is to shoot and score and not distribute and set up an offense. Um, the one thing that's nice is he does not turn the ball over. Uh, he almost never turns the ball over. Uh, yeah. There was a stretch in February. I wrote about it. I remember he played like nine, in the first nine games of February, uh, Brunson was averaging 25 minutes a game and he had a total of seven turnovers in those nine February games. And that's kind of, sta- that wasn't just like an anomaly. Like he averaged uh, about 1.2 turnovers per game in 25 minutes per game. That's crazy. Uh, right. So he's someone you can rely, like there's a steadiness there. There's a high floor, low ceiling with Brunson. Yep. And that doesn't mean he's not valuable, but it's, it's just a different kind of value. And like I said, the Maverick, he's up for money soon. And I think his, his contract, because he's a second rounder, like I don't think he's going to be restricted like I think when his contract's up he's going to be an unrestricted free agent um so that's going to be that's going to be weird you know it's going to make it harder harder to retain him because teams around the league you know there's no team in the NBA that's like all right we're good we don't need any, we you know we don't we don't need any guards like almost every team is like okay well, yeah we could use a guard um so the the bidding war might get uncomfortable for him and that's where i said the mavericks just kind of have to value what they see in the regular season what they see in the playoffs and then they also kind of have to realize like hey we've had the same roster for for two and a half years got it you got to do something like something's the the rubber's gonna hit meet the road or whatever other cliche you want to use so it'll be interesting but you just can't deny the outstanding regular season he had. sure I mean that,
0: and to me, that makes him like if if not a a extremely valuable asset, he's at least an asset. He's a guard. He's a, yes. a player. An other team might want. You know, you trade yes. for him. You're you trade for him. You're sort of trading for the right to pay pay him. Um yes. which, which is is something to be of note. So the last guy we wanted to get to probably is the the one we'll have the most you know downer season about <laughs> is is Josh Richardson who much like the uh you know backcourt mate of 2019-2020 and Delon Wright, Josh Richardson came to the Mavs and immediately turned into a shell of a player uh almost as soon as the regular season started. Um there could be an argument made that COVID-19 affected him the worst of any of the Mavericks, though I don't know what like that's the theory I've heard bandied about but I'm not really sure why because I don't think it affected it didn't seem to affect his wind. We never heard anything about that. He just played like shit um, the whole year, shot the ball terribly the whole year, had a career high from two, but you wouldn't really know because he it's not like he took a high volume of them. The Mavericks played their terrible passive defense, which did not take advantage of some of his skills. He rarely matched up on the opposing team's best player over and over again. It was a very confusing decision to bring Josh Richardson to the Mavericks. is is sort of my my takeaway on this. Um, he has, you know, he'll what he chooses to do, uh, whether he's going to opt into his like ten or eleven million dollar contract, is is going to be interesting. I don't see how he would. I really don't see how he would opt out because. It looks like his one season with Miami was a real mirage and I'm not sure what to do about it because I was really I was really excited about getting him and he just he wasn't good.
1: Yeah, the trade made a lot of sense on paper and you've looked at where he, you know, he played in Miami and Philly and you're like, okay, well now he's going to play next to Luka and basically, I mean, has any player come from another team and play next to Luka in these last 2 years and had like a decrease in efficiency like uh, I think he's the only he feels like the only one, right? Um, yeah. He had a career-worst three-point shooting season, and I know if you go to his basketball reference page, you look at his three-point shooting, he ended up shooting 33%, and I cannot emphasize enough how misleading that 33% is. Um, he was truly a horrifying three-point shooter for three-fourths of the season, and then I think toward the end of the season, he uh, he really picked it up a little bit uh, before then totally, totally flaming out in the playoffs but uh you know his three-point shooting was just terrible um he would regularly and good open shots
0: right but like, uh, it's it's very it's very sad
1: yeah and you like you said he it's really bizarre if you look at his his career his line it's eerily similar to his career line uh like mm. crazy yearly like career averages of 12.3 points uh, 3.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists this past season, 12.1 points, 3.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists. Um, the only thing that was different was, you know, he shot a career high in twos, but everything else was just about the same. And I think it's one of the few times, you know, the Mavericks are typically very good at getting these kind of guys like a Josh Richardson and, because of their system and how Rick Carlisle likes to play. And because of usually they're, you know, either Dirk's here or Lucas here and, you know, two players that drastically raise the floor of your efficiency due to how, you know, great they are and how much gravity and space that they can create just by being on the floor or having the ball in their hands. Uh, Typically the Mavericks pluck these guys and then they have career seasons. And then we argue, we get mad because then they go somewhere else uh, when it's time for them to get paid and the Mavericks don't really get to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Richardson was like the one guy like I mean well now it's DeLon and now it's Richardson the Mavericks are kind of 0 for 2 now on this and it's it's a it's a worrying trend and it it, it sucks Uh, he seemed to be the type of player the exact type of player the Mavericks needed I mean I don't remember anyone really, at least on the Mav side, being upset about that trade that Seth Curry trade. Like it was it felt like exactly what you know, after what we watched that team in the bubble losing the bubble to the Clippers, it felt like the exact type of move they needed. Like, hey, let's let's downgrade a little on offense, but make a big upgrade in athleticism and defense. And you know what? If there's something to bank on with the Mavericks, let's bank on him having a really efficient season because the Mavericks are really good at squeezing that out of guys. And it just didn't happen. Just did not happen.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious if the Jason Kidd aspect of this changes anything that might be coming. I mean, the one thing that was very fascinating about Richardson is he got benched late in the year and not only benched, he played very few minutes uh, in the playoffs relative to what his regular season minutes were and, you know, was not happy about it either. Uh, he wasn't unprofessional, but he was just clearly unhappy. But I just I'm, I don't know what he expected because his level of play was bad and there's no other way around that and and like just missing and and even in the playoffs like he had a couple of catastrophic turnovers during their their games where they had opportunities and that was when he was just trying to steal minutes for the top six guys rick would play i just i don't know how he comes back to the team maybe he does in a new different role i mean he's an affordable player 10 million dollars is 10 is like that's the kind of sweet spot that you want for a guy i i if they if he does choose to come back to the team i mean i don't necessarily see how the mavericks move away from him outside of a like mid-season trade or something so it's like he's gonna if he's on the team then he's gonna have some sort of role because he is a you know he's he's a he's i'm just convinced he's a better basketball player than he showed i just don't know what they can do to get more out of him because you know you're ne- in an offense with luca you're never gonna feed a guy like him for long twos like that the efficiency just isn't there the efficiency has to be there for threes i i don't i can't do the math in my head but i still have to unless he's shooting above what is it he has to be shooting like well like north well north of 50 percent in order and and then or shooting like well well south of 30% from 3 for some of the shot volume cuz he just he, I don't know I'm I'm kind of babbling at this point I'm sure our, <laughs> our, our listeners I'm sure our listeners will tell me I'm a moron on these things but I just I don't understand how you get more out of Richardson is is my thinking.
1: Yeah, he shot 42% on mid-range this season which is not good. That's a low number for him. He was in usually in the high 40s like 48 49. So he didn't even do do the thing that the Mavericks need him to do because that was part of the allure was like the Mavericks last season did not, it was Luca and then it, everyone else was spot up guys that didn't really know what to do if they couldn't take their spot up three. So the idea was like, Hey, okay, Richardson, hopefully we get a bump to bump up on his threes. Cause he's not in Philadelphia and he's playing next to Luca, but also, Hey, we can use that mid range game because in the playoffs teams are going to try to take away rim and they're going to try to take away threes. So yeah. we could use a guy that can, that can, that can, uh, you know, one dribble, one or two dribble, get by someone, pull up near the free throw line. Like that's a very valuable shot in the playoffs, uh, no matter what anyone tells you. And I, you know, even, you know, the smart stats people like your friend Seth will tell you like that's, fu- you know, depending on the player taking it and and, and the circumstance, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that shot. So they needed that from him and he still didn't even give him that. And I mean, and to, to your biggest off-season acquisition – a starter level player, a player that played in the starting lineup for you almost in your entire season in a game seven of first round of the playoffs that you lose six minutes, over one from the floor, zero points, two turnovers, uh, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. I don't know how you come back from that. And like you said, you know if he comes back, he's going to have to have some sort of role because just by his stature, but. I'm I'm ninety-nine point nine percent convinced if he opts in that they're just gonna find a way to trade him, even yeah. if it's a delon Wright type trade where they have to eat it like i just i don't see him on the mavericks roster yeah He's in, well no
0: i can't i you know i have no proof about this but something tells me that politics definitely played a role in why he played that long he is a bill duffy client bill duffy also represents luka Doncic. luka Doncic is up for a super max like these these lines are not super difficult to connect right. bill duffy and mark cuban have a lengthy past where cuban at one point wrote a screed of a pot of a a a Uh, blog post on blog maverick against bill duffy um so it's just like at a certain point some of these things are about playing nice and he he wasn't super harmful to the offense or anything like that during the regular season it just became kind of apparent that the guy couldn't play uh at least in the role that they wanted from him so right well we did our best where we've actually kept it below 40 minutes um i'm really excited about that
1: i'm too i'm proud of us
0: well, before we get out of here, I do have one last piece of news that I think we should address and kept it to the end only for the hardcore among us. Um, former Dallas Mavericks assistant, Jamal Mosley, accepted a position with the Orlando Magic. Good for him. A lot of Mavericks fans uh, really wanted him to be the head coach because Lucas seems to like him. Uh, I will say I am really excited to not have to think about Jamal Mosley anymore. <laughs> like,
1: That's the, I love that take.
0: I love my, my, my guy on, on Twitter, uh, Mike, Mike Bibbins just posted a, a poll an honest to God poll where he it, at Bibbs corner says bigger ovation kid debut or Mosley return. And I, I, I hope he's being sarcastic. Like no one knows who Mosley is like, this is, this is not a thing. Like we all like Mosley because Luca liked Mosley. We have no idea if Mosley's a good coach, like liking a coach is a thing. And I'm glad that – like, I I sort of agree. I sort of think that Mosley should have been the coach. But I'm not, like, married to the take. And I also don't think it's going to – like, I don't think it moves the needle enough. I mean, he wouldn't have been a bad coach, per se. Like, I'm kind of worried about Jason Kidd being a bad coach. But – I don't necessarily think he elevates them in the, to the next step. They just need better players. That's what I'm more
1: concerned about. There there was definitely a weird feeling when Mosley, uh, when it was clear Mosley, like the Mavericks were giving away like a first round, like that they were just giving away um, like a extremely rare asset. Uh, sure. and, and it was kind of weird because like he is an assistant coach and there's only so much they can do, but I mean, Hey, Orlando is a good situation for him in the yes. sense that the pressure is not going to be there to win right away. It's probably going to be a better situation for him than Dallas. Cause he's going to have a lot of, like, I mean, obviously he'd have a better team in Dallas, but the mm-hmm. pressure is to win. Like if they have another first round playoff loss and Mosley was the coach, you got to imagine he would be out of here. Now he can go to Orlando, get his feet wet as a head yes. coach, grow a team. Put his imprint on it. Get away from Mark Cuban. Yes. Uh, so I think it's a it's a win win. Yes. Good for and him. and
0: and let me be clear. Love me, my Bibbins. And and because on his podcast a couple of weeks ago, he he and and his co host Reese actually had a fairly lengthy diatribe defending me after a particular Mavericks media personality may have in, implied on a radio show that I am a moron. Um, so we, we love Bivens around here. No one take, take that as a slight. All right. So Josh and I are going to be back probably tomorrow because Jason Kidd is going to have a press conference and I foresee a potential, hopefully it'll be boring. I'm just, you know, he's the coach now. There's nothing we can do about it. I still feel kind of ick about it for a variety of reasons. I don't want to beat it into the ground though. We'll probably do just that um but you know we'll we'll see what happens with him and Nico's press conference because the Mavericks if they're good at one thing it's kind of back in the media local media into the corner and to where they might not be able to ask too many questions at all so it's not going to be like the Portland shit show
1: They're they're also pretty good at putting their foot in their mouth so mm. there might be potential we'll see
0: All right, guys. Kirk Henderson, Josh Bowe, we'll be back soon. This has been a lot of fun. Mavs Moneyball after dark. Please like and subscribe. Do all that sort of stuff. It's wonderful for us. We will talk to you guys probably tomorrow.